On this special episode of Concerned Women Today, Penny Nance is joined by CWA Legal Counsel Mario Diaz, as well as Director of Government Relations Alexandra McPhee, to break down the exciting development of the case out of a Texas district court freezing the FDA's abortion pill approval. We have had many questions about what's going on. What does this mean for the future of the abortion pill? What happens next? Does this mean the abortion pill will no longer be distributed by mail? We do our best to answer all of your questions in today's episode. Here's your host, Penny Nance. We wanted to just take a few minutes and sort through so that you are able to share accurately where we are right now in chemical abortion. But before that, and I have my incredible experts here, expert panel, legal eagles, and I'll try to to, to be the interpreter if they get to get too in the weeds for you. Um, but before that, let's just step back and take a look at the big picture. The big picture is that on June 24th, we won that the Supreme Court um, what ter- overturned Roe v. Wade. God answered our prayers and honored all the hard work that had been done for almost 50 years by CWA members and others. And so what happened was then, of course, it it tipped off a chain of events, and we suddenly had all these other battles to fight. And I was acutely aware on June 24th that it wasn't that we were going to win with one stroke of, of the document, the overturn of Roe, and suddenly America was going to be welcoming to life and we were going to be a pro-life nation. No, that isn't what happened. It's not what we expected, and we're not surprised. We're not surprised that Satan's alive and his minions are fighting. They love death. And so what we've now done is we're fighting on a state-by-state basis, and we're fighting against chemical abortion. And we are in a pitched battle because now suddenly, um, after after you know COVID and the shutdowns and everything that happened, we'll go over what happened. But uh, 54% of abortions are now chemical abortions. And that is a giant leap forward in just the past two or three years. So we've had, you've heard in the news that there's some question about what is happening with chemical abortion. And that is a very important question because the left wants to use that as the runaround um, against all these pro-life states now, places like Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and others that have very limited abortions uh, allowed in their states. So let's go and I'm going to first introduce you to Mario Diaz. You all know him. He's our general counsel. And then our legislative director is Alexandra McPhee. And they're both just brilliant lawyers. And I've been on the phone back and forth. I was in in California with some of our friends and supporters this week and back and forth. And it was changing daily. So why don't you catch us up what what the court did kind of give us a little bit of the history Mario, but again, keep it kind of high level because it is very confusing, I might add. Yes, I will. First of all, thank you all for taking the time to be here. It is always a privilege and a real honor to talk to you and let you know what is happening uh, in the courts. And I want to share with you uh, a little bit of my screen here so you can see this chart was actually used by the court. The court itself was confused (laughs) as to all that is happening in terms of, uh, of chemical abortion. And this chart puts it uh, so you can understand it very carefully. So I'll go quickly. By the way, we'll put that on our website That's too, right. so you all can go yeah. get it. 
So in 2000 is when they did their first approval of chemical abortion. Of course, there was some uh, previous uh, uh, developments before that, but uh, because of the, the, the political pressure really that they felt, they approved this uh, abortion drug through a process that is uh, reserved for emer emergency drugs. It is not meant for regular order, if you will. And when they did that, um, they had to meet a certain standard, which of course they did not meet. First of all, that the drugs that are approved through this process are supposed to be for an illness. Right. <laughs> and pregnancy is not an they illness. They had to reclassify pregnancy was yeah. the first thing they that had to lie about. To so, mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that was in 2000. Now, this citizen petition in 2002, that's us challenging their use of this procedure to approve abortion drugs. And as you can see, not until 2016, believe it or not, is when the FDA finally decides to answer the challenge from pro-life groups. This is okay, Can I just time out here? One thing I believe is true is that they had to go the administrative route that's yes. the reason it took so long. Yes. That's how these things the work, courts, right? Yeah, if, you, if we would have gone to the courts, first of all, the court yeah. would have said you had to exhaust your administrative procedures. Right. So they had to exhaust administrative procedures. So okay. we needed this uh, decision, if you will, to challenge in court. So we waited basically 14 years for that. Um, but the, the other important thing to, to note here is that the FDA is required to answer within 180 days. <laughs> So they from, violated their own, yeah, their, own they, their own rules and they waited about 6,000 days uh, to do it, the, the court noted. And, and then on the same day, they, they declined that they deny uh, that petition. Then they institute this new, uh, um, new, this new regime as to where this drug can be applied. And you can see there on the, on the right-hand side, it increased the minimum, the maximum gestational age. It reduced the required in-person office visits, so you don't have to go to the doctor three times as it was first instituted. Uh, right now, they are doing that over the phone even. Uh, so it, it keeps getting more lax and more lax. Uh, they allowed non-doctors to, to, to prescribe it. And very, very important for us, the fourth thing that they did in 2016 is that they eliminated the reporting of non-fatal adverse events. And this is important because as, I, as we have said, the court continues to make these, uh, these drugs more easily accessible on the- The FDA makes it more The FDA yes. wants to make it more accessible, but on the false premise yes. that there are no- It's very adverse safe. Defense. <laughs> it's very safe, but yet they said you don't report anything except death. Yeah. That's the only thing we want to know about, but it's very safe. Yeah. So, so don't all the women that go into the emergency room with an ectopic pregnancy, we don't want to hear about that, which yeah. is 2% of pregnancies, yeah. by the way. So don't tell me about adverse effects. And then I turn around and say, see, there are no adverse right. effects. And the court calls them out on this. The appellate court call, called it, uh, you know, a head in the sand approach to, to the mm -hmm. FDA's uh, upper. So, so this is very important for us. Then once they did that, we challenge again, the pro-life groups challenge those that reintroduction, this new regime for the drug, but now they basically have to challenge this new regime and have to basically abandon the other one, but it's still there, the, the, the premise 
um, it's still there. So they approved the generic one in 2019, and under that, the FDA just have to prove that it is the same type of drug. And then in 2021, because of COVID, they did this just outrageous expansion to, to where they would allow it to go through the mail. Uh, and then the court basically, uh, you know, then enters in and, and, and can intervene. One more thing I will say before I toss it to you, Penny, and, and, and we um, go further. I wanted to highlight this for you because it shows, I know many of us when we hear in the media, uh, you know, they go to the most extreme cases on, mm -hmm. on these type of Always. issues. Yeah. And they want to put us on our heel. But I want you to know that the left feels abortion is the answer to many issues. Any issue. Uh, you know, you, you remember Stacey Abrams saying the answer to inflation, you no, know, with, sure. you know, is found in this. Women, know, sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, climate change, yeah. too many people. So, uh, but what they are doing through this chemical abortion push is pushing abortion in all its form. And I want to, you to see, this is the patient agreement form that the woman have to sign when she is given uh, this, the abortion drug. And it says, if you see in the, in the middle box there that is highlighted for you, it says, I know that in some cases, the treatment will not work. This happens in about two to seven out of a hundred women. So what we know for a fact, and again, these, these numbers are low because they're coming from the manufacturer, right? right? The FDA doesn't want to know about this. But in two out of the two to seven out of a hundred will require a surgical abortion. What what's that number again? From two to seven out of a hundred. Okay. Uh, the manufacturer says on the form that they have to sign that they will require surgical abortion. So if you're a state that has just outlawed abortion and don't want to promote this, and you allow chemical abortion in your state, you are by the pharmaceuticals' very own words requiring a certain percent of the women who take it to require what you have already outlawed. Yes. So you see how it is mm -hmm. a push for even surgical abortion from their own words. If you see the last one, it says, if you need a surgical uh, procedure because of the medication did not end my pregnancy or to stop heavy bleeding, you know, that yeah, you can yeah, get into the, right. the, the ectopic pregnancy case. But you can see how it is a push for abortion in all forms. That's what they want. Yes. Chaos, right? Yes. The states that have limited abortion, surgical mm -hmm. abortion, they want them to expand the use of chemical abortion, and then they have to deal with the consequences right. of that. Right. Well, and so let me just pull back then. And, and there's a lot of back and forth, and I'm not going to go through the TikTok of, you know, the FDA's back and forth, but really, there. and you, I'll go back even a step further. It, it, this all began, I think, in 1994, 96, I can't remember when the French government, the French manufacturer of RU, we called it RU486, but basically that was Mifepristol. Um donated the patent to this this nonprofit very secretive nonprofit who was accepting money offshore i mean it's all very like kind of murky mm -hmm. and so then it worked through you know for a few years and then 2000 basically the fda cut corners used it was called um i think it's called sub part h. subpart h which is for emergency use if someone's dying there's disease and we have this drug that actually hasn't been through all the rigorous, uh, we've heard this before, right? All the rigorous um, study, but we're going we're gonna to make it legal anyway. 
So in order to do that, they had to classify uh, pregnancy as an illness. And so then that happened. And then initially the rule at the beginning was, and this is this is where, where we're back to, the, the initial rule in the FDA is a woman could only receive this, these two drugs after seven weeks or earlier in pregnancy. She had to have three doctor's appointments, in-person doctor's appointments, and she had to have a follow-up. Now, those, that is really essential because as we've already stated, it doesn't work sometimes. It does, it's, 2% of abortions are ectopic. It's not gonna work in that. So this woman thinks, you know, oh, I've, you know, she has cramps, maybe she's bleeding, she's expelled the baby, she hasn't, and she can get sepsis. And there has been deaths. There's been about 25 deaths since this happened. And then of course, FDA used as an excuse alongside the Biden administration to go even, even worse with the rules. Using COVID, they said, no, actually you can bend 10 weeks and um, you don't need a doctor. No. We're just going to send it to you through the mail. Now, one of the points in the court, and by the way, I should say, you wrote our Mikas brief. So we're very involved in this case and we appreciate what you've done, Mario. But you point out that the Comstock Act specifically prohibits the use of sending uh, medication or instruments for abortion through the mail. So that's illegal. That it was back in the 1800s. Like that was already been solved. And there is our law on the books prohibiting that. And so, um, you know, there's, there's, they're breaking the law in so many different ways in allowing this to do. And they don't care about women. That's the point that I think I'm so the most disgusted by is the people that pretend to care about women care about women the least. This is all political for them. The activists on the left want there to be abortion, as I've said before many times, anytime, any reason, any number, all paid for by you. And they don't want a girl to even leave her dorm room to have it. They're happy for her to um, struggle for several days to actually miscarry this baby alone and to be traumatized and maybe, you know, have consequences that render her sterile later or maybe even death. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right about the Comstock Act. The district court agreed with you. The appellate court agreed with agreed you. Agreed with me. <laughs> yeah, because this is very clear. The, yeah. the law says it, federal law says it exactly like that. And here's how the, the Department of Justice got around it, as they always do. They say basically what the what the law says is not what, is meant, what it meant. What it meant, oh, okay. They say that because you have to have the intent to use this drug to perform an abortion, when they mail it, when the pharmaceutical mail it, they don't know if the woman is gonna use it for that. That's that's <laughs> when the, they mail it to Planned Parenthood, they're they, shocked. They're shocked. How, that's how you know how is Shocking. this happening? What um so the court don't buy oh, it. That's another thing. Big Pharma is very happy to make money off this. And this little group of shadowy figures that started this nonprofit are making a bank making so much money. We don't even know who all is involved in this. But so now we're back to the original seven week mark, no mail, doctors have to be involved and there has to be follow-up. That is not what they want. It's not what the other, so understand, you know, we want to get rid of chemical abortion altogether, but even where we are right now is a win. It is a very good win, but it is limited. Let me show you. I did a little video. We can send it around, but I will try to uh, show you here the procedure, the legal procedure where we are. 
And that way you'll be able to, to know why it'll take only, uh, it, it, it's only a limited victory and we have to continue to fight. Right, because diligently. it's eventually gonna go to the Supreme Court. That's so, exactly right. That's yes. where we are right now on the motion, right? Okay, so the, you're gonna wanna watch this a couple of times. <laughs> I've watched this because it is the, the back and forth, and this is for the legal eagles and we'll get kind of high level, but you know, just pace yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the federal courts have three levels. They have the district court level, the appellate court level, and then the Supreme Court here in Washington, D.C. We're talking about here the Northern District of Texas. The appellate court there is the Fifth Circuit and the U.S. Supreme Court, of course, you know where it is. So when the, when the, the groups, the pro-life doctors that challenge this, they come in, they say, this is illegal. The FDA exceeded their authority. Please undo what they have done. That is basically it. But as they come in, they know women are going through many issues, mm -hmm. many emergency issues that they're not even being reported because the FDA doesn't want to know according to their own rules. And women are even dying. They're exposed uh, to great dangers because they are consuming this at more and more levels. So they asked the court to withdraw, to, to do a permanent injunction or a preliminary injunction on the FDA's use of this drug while the proceeding keeps going on. So basically, please Tell the FDA, stop doing this, even while you consider whether it should be done the in the future, the mm -hmm. merits, right? So that is the first thing that they have to look at. The district court, before they even take a look at all the details of the case, they have to decide whether they should put this temporary rule in place. And the district court did in this case. Mm -hmm. What they do when they do that is they look at certain factors. And I just want you to focus on this first one. The first one is a substantial likelihood of success on the merits. So even while the court is not making a final decision, it has to, the, way, the only way I could think of, of explaining it really uh, common, in a common sense language is just like a wager, right? They're right. saying, look, it chances looks like are, chances that they, they have a chance to win here. Yeah, because it looks like the facts are good. And yeah. so, so that's and, good. And the good thing is that this court really went through a detailed analysis. Yes, that was Judge... Matthew Kazmarek. Kazmarek. You, you all probably know him. Yes. God bless Texas. Yeah. And President Trump, who appointed Kazmarek. I mean, it was an incredible, and I don't expect everybody to read it, but I read big portions of it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is, if we had written it ourselves, this yeah. is how, what we would have yeah. written. So it was really well done. And again, that's why we work so hard on all those judiciary nominees and yeah, confirmations. They, they look at the facts, they look at the law, and they don't veer into, you know, mm -hmm. The politicization side of it, which is uh, uh, where where you know liberal judges get in trouble. So the court agrees with that. It it says we should stop uh, the FDA should stop uh, its process of, of supporting and promoting this drug while the while this proceeding continues. So now that second part is the only part then that motion that the appellate court will take a look at. That they, they already which is the fifth circuit. Yeah, the fifth circuit. They already took at that motion. It's not the merits yet. So it is only while this proceeding is going, what we're going to do. So the, the appellate court came in and said, we have uh, more questions about the 2000 approval because mm -hmm. the statute of limitation had, has passed. It is usually six years uh, that you have to challenge a drug approval. But we already told you why the reason why pro-lifers had uh, to go beyond that. It was the FDA's undoing. Right. But anyway, the court says, we still have doubts about this. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, yes, the drug should be taken back 
to that first initial the seven weeks the seven weeks the doctors with doctors involved and, and nothing through the mail and now because of course the the the, the department of justice the, the biden administration doesn't like that they are appealing that to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So what you're hearing about and what you will re read in the, in the following days is this appeal about the motion, not the merits. Once the Supreme Court uh, does that, then they will go back down to the district now, court. Now, then we'll get to, and, and we wanted to get down to the merits of the, of yeah. the case as quickly as possible. Yeah. What do you think the Supreme Court will say, both of you? What do you think they'll say when they look at the Fifth Circuit's what do you think? The Supreme Court will go for it. We have a lot of strong constitutional conservatives who understand that the FDA acted uh, illegally, mm -hmm. and this case has executive overreach written all over it. That's the definition of the Biden administration. And because we have yeah. Justices Gorsuch, Barrett, Kavanaugh, um, and Scalia, and, uh, well, formerly Scalia, uh, Mr. Thomas, and all Alita. All bus tours. All, all worth it. All, all, worth it. all the t-shirts that we gave Oh, yeah. To Kinda Bartlett for holding all those t-shirts, like all the work that everybody did at CW, all the prayers. Miles. This is why we do it. So this, mm -hmm. so this is where, so what I would say is, you know, as far as chemical abortions go, we're about halfway through the process. There's a lot of battles. We are fighting on, a, you know, new turf that we could have never even had the ability to fight on if we had not won with in the in the Dobbs case and overturned Roe v. Wade. So, you know, I just want to like, you know, really hit home the message to you and to for you to spread the idea to your friends. This is not nearly over. We have a lot of work to do. We are winning. Yep. It is a and you know, people that live in California and New York, you probably don't feel like that. And we got a lot of work to do in those states, but Hey, there's a whole other big country out here. Don't nobody wants to tell the Texans that they think they're in the, the only people. But um, there's a big country out here, and we are saving babies. Babies, thirty-two thousand babies are alive today that would not have been alive if there had not been the overturn of Roe. Mm. Think about that. Mm. We're looking at where the the numbers of abortions went up in in states, and you know it, the numbers went way down in um in those red states and they went up in some of the blue states and but what the bottom line is today 32,000 babies are in their mother's arms or in their adoptive mother's arms because of all the work that was done to confirm these justices but I want to go back to you um Annabelle but just real quick I want to go to our legislative guru here and tell us what, what do you think is going to happen on Capitol Hill? Mm -hmm. what, give us a little insight into all of that. Well, our strategy is to make sure that legislators, the pro-life legislators, are equipped with the facts. Mm -hmm. And we circulated a talking point sheet that Mario produced that included a description of the case, where it stands, and also the harms associated with chemical abortion, of which there are many. Mm -hmm. And that was really step one. And we circulated to that to congressional staff on the Hill and have already responded to questions that we have received from congressional staff about that. We're here to serve as a trusted source for these uh, staffers with a lot of responsibility. And when it comes to the members of Congress and to the senators, we have empowered our grassroots to reach out to their legislators to tell them this is a great trial court decision. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the pro-abortion legislators are are in lockstep. We need to encourage the pro-life legislators. And that's what we're working on, which is getting constituents 
to the doors, so to speak, of their legislators to let them know this is a fantastic outcome from the trial court in Texas. And it's a win at the appellate court because of the protections that we have in place that the Biden administration illegally took away. And as I mentioned earlier, executive overreach is the is really the, the playbook of this administration. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it in the Food and Drug Administration. We're seeing it in the Veterans Affairs Department, the Department of Justice, you name it. There have been a lot of cases where there have been um, these regulations that really overstep the power that Congress gave it. We always encourage legislators, we always encourage Congress to really establish and assert their authority. And that is something that we work with uh, leaders like Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi on, uh, James Langford of Oklahoma, and uh, Steve Daines of Montana. And in the House of Representatives, Majority Leader Scalise is a great ally. and Speaker McCarthy yes. has really made, we would not have these votes if Pelosi was in power, as you all can imagine. So these election outcomes have really um, just empowered pro-life legislators to do the good work that uh, you all sent them to Congress to do. And as a, as a matter of fact, you know, you mentioned the Californians, uh, be encouraged. You have the most uh, uh, letters and outreach um, from your fellow Californians to um, their uh, legislators in Congress. So one day, as long as we all keep pushing, which we will, we'll see that change in hearts, yes, minds, and representation. It. Praying it. Um, at, well, and you know, I just want to highlight something. Just because you're elected to Congress doesn't mean you know things, right? Sure. And our members don't, our, meaning our conservatives, don't always want to speak up on these issues because they're scared they'll say the wrong thing because we're held to a higher standard. Yeah. And I feel that. Like you got to check and double check and make sure you know your stuff before you say anything. So people are like, oh, our people are more timid. Well, I think they're just taking time to try to understand something that's very complicated. And to your point, CWA is a very trusted source. We have never had to retract anything we've ever done ever. I mean, we haven't, we don't put out bad stuff. We check and we recheck and we make sure we have the facts that are proven facts, not just ideas or what we wish was true but we we give them the facts and they feel empowered yeah. then to go forward and take the hard positions the media and the fda even which is the frustrating part about the executive mm-hmm. overreach that uh, uh, alexandra is talking about they do it for political reasons and they lie let me show you one last example because i have a year ready and i just you know want you to see this is this is a line they have been saying and they said it in court documents that taking the abortion pill is like taking Advil. It's ibuprofen. Oh my God. That, that's that's what they go on to say. And you know what? The, the court called them on it. Yeah. Because it said, you know, the, the chemical abortion, they required what, what is known as a black label. Mm-hmm. And here it is right here. It requires, the FDA requires a black label of drugs that could lead to death mm-hmm. or serious illness. Yeah. You look at your ibuprofen, you yeah, won't see anything that. like that. But if you look at the abortion pill, it says it right there can result in incomplete abortion, surgical intervention. And that's the 2001. If they want to go, even when they did their expansion, they still had to put this label on the abortion Mm -hmm. drug. So this is the type of thing that the FDA will go to a hearing and say to members of Congress, and if they are not equipped with these labels in front of them, that they can see that they, that they are gaslighting, as they yes, said today, yeah, yeah. they will shy away and they will think, yeah. okay, it must be because the FDA, the FDA said it, so it must be true. Well, okay, we know that that 
that our public officials, as much as we'd like for them to, are not always truthful. So thank you for making sure that our people have the facts and they can go armed into these hearings and, you know, and, and get to the truth. Yeah. And so, this has been going on since 1986. Yeah. We were uh, going through our archives to see how long we've been speaking on this issue at CWA. And it has been since 1986. Yeah. That was the first uh, recorded instance in yeah, the newsletter that we had. I think that, that was Wendy Wright, I think, was testifying before the FDA at, at, when she was president of Concerned Women yeah. for America. So, yes, we have a long storied history here and we're going to keep on until we're able to win. And so I just want to I just want before I toss to you, Annabelle, I just want to rejoice yeah. that we hit a milestone this week. We have now broken two, and we have 201 Young Women for America chapters and, and leaders on campuses across this country. And I'm just so pleased about that. This is, you know, some of, some of our young women are on now. They'll watch this later, but um, we are bringing up the next generation. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. We pray this episode has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit ConcernWomen.org.